Harrison Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Text in 704-570-9610. It was fun being out at the Cornucopia event for the Charlotte Hornets at the Spectrum Center, main lobby. Got to see all of the players. Everybody was there handing out food and helping out people in the community of Charlotte. So very cool to see that. And it was awesome to hear from Steve Clifford and Dennis Smith Jr. I was talking with Colin after the show yesterday just talking about how impressive Dennis Smith Jr. was. I mean, th- this person is the best story for the Charlotte Hornets this year, and I don't think it's really all that close. One, because there's been a lot of negativity surrounding the Charlotte Hornets, but that has been a bright spot. I do think when Dennis Smith Jr. was talking about how much he wants to play with LaMelo on the court, and I think both of us could see how great that pairing would be. You get defense. And I thought it was an interesting answer when he said that he could just focus on all the more attention on the defensive end of the floor. He's already paying crazy attention to that end. I didn't even know there was any more to give, but with LaMelo playing offense, it makes some sense where Dennis Smith Jr. can just go all out even further on the defensive end and be a pest, still be a great guy that can get back in transition, having that block against Goodwin like he did against Washington. So uh, Dennis Smith Jr., He's been a revelation defensively. They needed to get better defensively badly this offseason. And really the only thing they did was bring back Cody Martin. I didn't know where else the defense was going to improve. It was always going to have to be internal. Well, there was something external with Dennis Smith Jr. And man, has he made a world of difference on that end. Now, I was going to tell you before uh, I get started here okay. that, you know, you and Dennis Smith Jr., you're approaching J.C. Horn levels with uh, Steve, I mean, with uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Okay. You think people are throwing to Dennis Smith Jr.? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if people are throwing to him like no, no, no. All right. So with that said, I do think he's he's been good for the Hornets this year for sure. Um, to t- tell me, tell me why I need to stop. Look, man, this is a Hornets no, you team. Like who you like? But it's four and fourteen. But I gotta, you know, sometimes throw a little. Throw Have a you little seen him play defense? Like I'm not saying offensively he is. Earl Monroe out there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think the defense matters for sure. You know, I'm just like, and he's averaging around 10 points, which is solid, which has for him been his best average since 2019, 2018, 2019 season uh, with the Knicks. And he's doing it at, a, at an efficient level. And I do feel like he's matured a lot. You can tell the way he's talking. This guy was out of the league. Yeah, the way he was talking, man, you know, he sounds like a guy that really appreciates the game of basketball and what it brought. because, And that's why I asked him the question about some of the things he could impart upon LaMelo. Not that LaMelo would be out of the league and coming back, but just the view from a guy who's had it all and then it comes down and he has to humble himself, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it will be interesting, like I said, to see this Hornets team at its full potential. There's no doubt about it. But you like the things that you are seeing from him, especially the defense. Um, you know, I would like to see him, you know, and he's he's averaging around six assists per game. Well, th- yes. And, well, and, and, man, I know you're an analytics guy. Like yeah. the analytics back up the defensive opinions here. No, no, we're, no, no we're talking about when you were talking about the the plus seventeen four that leads the league. That's a that's an awesome stat. No, I, I just and even to defensively, give you a hard time. no, and I got you. But like yeah. even the past defense, <laughs> Kelly Oubre's up there too. By the way, I, yeah. I've been pleased with the way it, the shooting's worse. Oddly enough, yeah. from Kelly, but he's playing a lot more aggressive. I feel like you've seen more buy-in from Kelly. Now, whether that's contract year Kelly or whether it's just oh, truly yeah. a different yeah. Kelly, yeah. Tsunami Poppy is here, just maybe not in the waves that he was making from beyond the perimeter. I did want to go to Steve Clifford because clearly he's thrilled with the way Dennis Smith Jr. is performing. Who are some of the other players that have impressed him? He had this to say on the Wes and Walker show yesterday. 
I think Nick Richards, for one, has taken good advantage of it. He played a really good game again last night. I think the other guy who's just starting to get time, Kai Jones, you know, impressed me, to be honest, without playing. Impressed me by the way he's practiced, by the way he's handled not playing, but by his preparation, his study, so that he knows what we're doing. And he's now played these last two games, meaningful minutes, and done a really good job. And, well, the other guy that's really the younger player that's come on, obviously, is Jalen McDaniels. He's played big minutes every night. He plays well on both sides of the ball. The last two games, Kai Jones has seen seven minutes against Cleveland, double overtime game, so close, Mm -hmm. saw eight minutes against Washington, 106 to 102, had four points, there was fun. It's funny. Two finishes for Kai Jones. Steve Clifford, of course, classic coach, liked the other finish more so than the transition dunk where he switched it and did the reverse slam yes. on a fast break. But I know you think that might be one of the best dunks of all time in Charlotte Hornets history. Oh, my goodness. Like I'm sitting there. <laughs> so me and my girl are watching uh, Stranger Things. But I got the game going on my lap on the phone. And I'm sitting there, and he gets the steal. And I'm like, all right, this should be good. Oh, yeah. But, oh, my goodness. He made me say an expletive when he did that dunk. I said, oh, my goodness. Like, that dunk was tremendous. It is, in my opinion, one of the best in-game dunks in Hornets history. Now, if you want to separate them, because, like, we talk about uh, Farber brought up when Miles dunked on – when he dunked on the guy from the Hawks, that was – The Capella dunk is still yes, probably the Capella. best. It's probably the best – You get the face and all that. But that guy Jones, I put right up there behind it. And it was the thing I said when I watched the Rich Paul show and they had the showcase and he was one of the guys when when he was showcasing for the NBA draft. I am just totally blown away at his athleticism. For him to be six foot 11. Oh, it's crazy. And have the athleticism to explode. I mean, and he has it all. Speed and explosion. It's crazy. And that dunk, I mean, do we have the Eric Collins call? Because it was... It was worth every bit of it. I've got that? I've got Sunshine Sam Farber's call on it. No, we want we want the EC man. <laughs> well, well, Sam lost it too, but Sam even mentioned I'd yesterday. I like to hear Sam's call though. Let's well, well, but but Sam Sam even mentioned it where Eric Collins he felt like you know might have lost a vocal cord with that with that call. Let's <laughs> let's hear Sam's too though on the Kai Jones dunk that happened in transition against the Washington Wizards. Beal drives down low to the baseline, twisting against Plumley. Goes up, the lane attempt, no. Rebound, Porzingis throws it deep. Kai Jones has it. Kai Jones ready to take off. Let's fly. Reverse dunk in transition. Oh, my goodness, what a play. A Dr. Pepper dunk for Kai Jones. He can fly. Hornets cut it to four. The, the one thing, though, about that is is you can hear the excitement growing. Where he said, oh, Kai Jones has it. Like, everybody get at the edge of your seat because Kai Jones has it. And he's been playing a little bit more, and Steve Clifford has given him a lot of praise. I got the Collins call on my phone. You want me oh, that is going to sound horrible. Is it? Yeah. Okay. If you if you play it, I look. You can send it to him. No, no. no. Oh, send it to Fitty. No, yeah. Send it to. Did you record it on the TV, or do you just no, have I it? No, I did not. I have it off. I thought somebody took it off the broadcast and yeah. posted on Twitter. So that's fine. I thought you were about to play the sound from your phone and then hold it up to the mic. Is that... I actually was going oh, to okay. do that, no, so that... I'm glad you saved me for myself. <laughs> that's okay. If you send it to Fitty, then maybe we can play the Eric Collins call on the Kai Jones But yeah, dunk. so you were saying, yeah, I was saying to myself, why is he not playing more? That's the thing. Um, right. And at what point do we start to see the guys, like with the Panthers, to where the season got to a certain point and Coach Wilkes said, hey, let's give these guys a shot. Let's see what they can do. And with the Hornets, I don't think we're far away from that, okay? Uh, now, if Gordon Hayward gets healthy and then you get the other guys, of course they're going to want to see what the team looks like. 
But I would like to see Kai Jones as one of the number one guys that I really want to see. I, I just don't feel like I'm like I'm not an NBA coach by any stretch. But, I mean, how's he going to get better just sitting on the bench? There's a lot there, I think. They, they use the G League still really well. And, and that was something that I give JB credit for. And and Mitch Kupchak and this new regime of the Charlotte Hornets, I guess, as it was new a few years back. They talked about player development being something that was huge for them. And you've seen guys get to a second contract as second rounders. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It, it, to see Devontae Graham have a first round worth, to see him actually get to a second contract that's worth 13 million. And he was a 35th overall pick, something like that. It's really impressive. McDaniels is going to get a second contract. See, that's, what, that's what I think is great for. I think it's great for those guys. Yeah. I'm sorry though. I know they don't like it. Controversial opinion, but I do feel like when first rounders get sent to the G league, it's a demotion in my opinion. If you're, if you're not on a good basketball team, I think it's a demotion. I know they might not like to hear that, but that's how I, I think look maybe at it. second year. I don't think right out of the gate, it has to be like that. I don't I don't think even even immediately your first ever moment I don't think it has to be a demotion right out of the gate. You think it's a demotion immediately. Especially if you're a lottery pick. I expect lottery He's picks to come in the and lottery, play, but you're but right. He got there. And I expect lottery picks to play. When you draft a guy that is supposed to fill an immediate need, when we went into that draft, we said we need a rim protector, a guy that can come in and help right now, mm-hmm. and then you draft them and on a basketball team that is four and fourteen, and he's not playing any minutes. No, you're not gonna tell me that it's not a demotion. Mark Williams should be here playing, getting good minutes on a team of this caliber. He's not playing for the Wizards or a team that's like borderline the Hawks or something like that, where they have a log jam of guys and they're and they're and they're pushing for a playoff spot. Now, granted, the Hornets do have injuries, but especially in the front court, the Hornets. Now, Mason Plumlee, I think he gets a, a hard uh, deal from the from the fans. I think he plays really, really hard. He gives you every single ounce that he has. He's one of my favorite players in that regard. He's not a perfect player. He has flaws, sure. But, you know, I just think for God to be a lottery pick and he can't even sit on an NBA bench and get five to six minutes a game, that's just not a good time for me. But for guys who are trying to make it to the league, those second-round picks and the undrafted guys trying to prove themselves, I do think it helps the most, the most beneficial. And I do think in their heart of hearts, those first-round guys and those lottery guys that do get sent down there, I think they look at it that way too. Kai Jones looked good in the G League last year. And he looked good on that transition dunk. All you have to do is ask Eric Collins, and this is what he would tell you. <laughs> Never hit anything. Shot clock doesn't reset. Look at Kai Jones. What is this going to be? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Look, man, can, I want to talk about Eric Collins for a moment. You had a chance to work with him, man. That's got to be exciting as hell to work with Eric I Collins. I think the world of that guy, he thinks the world of me, and that's not why I think the world of him, but he's been a huge supporter of mine. But I've I loved Eric since before I stepped foot on the Hornets set. I thought he brought a, he brings a lot of flavor to this team. And for a team in a market like this where we're not in the playoffs all the time, you need something to draw you and keep you excited during a broadcast and working with him was just the best to get to see some of the quirks of the guys. Uh, I'm sure he, he might not love this, but you know him, well, he doesn't care cause he doesn't, think he, he thinks he it's funny. Oh yeah. Him, him like letting off gas in our pre-production meetings, like knowing that it's him and okay. he just does it. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't care. He thinks it's funny. <laughs> I just, 
don't know. I don't think we knew. That's something that you just this, revealed I to the world. I met you in, baby. That's you, why you want me you on really here. You yeah, really but, did. You really did. I mean, but the thing is. <laughs> I did not expect you yeah, to say that. This preparation is just beyond anything you've ever seen because this is a guy that's doing the Hornets games every night. He's doing college basketball games every other night when he's not doing Hornets games, and he's doing college football games when he's not doing those. And his preparation, he comes in there with facts that you just don't even begin to think about. Like those stats that I think that are fake on SportsCenter when they're playing, when they're like, on a Tuesday when this team eats spaghetti, they are 9-4, and four, and they're the only team in NFL history to be 9-4 and four off eating spaghetti on a Tuesday. And you're like, come on now. Eric comes in with stats like that all the time. He's like, you know the only guy in the NBA to hit four free throws on a Thursday? And you're like, and he'll have it. And then he passes gas. And then he'll pass gas and laugh. That's Eric Collins. <laughs> I had zero clue. I'm actually kind of shook right now that that's something. But it's funny. Eric Collins, man, that is that is our savior as the call as the play-by-play announcer for TV for Bally, uh, Mr. Eric Collins. And it's hilarious that you used to work with him. And that was the insight that you wanted to give us for Mr. <laughs> Eric Collins. We do have a couple of texts coming in. Uh, TMI-OMG from Spence. It's just hilarious to hear that that is something that Eric Collins is about. I feel like he and Fiddy would get along really well in the production meeting when we're talking about planning the shows and planning the broadcast. Yeah. I feel like Fiddy and Eric Collins he would get along well with that aspect. That. Yeah. yeah, that's something that I'm sure Fiddy would like to do. And that'll be his excuse. He'll say Eric Collins. That's correct. That's correct. The the thing I'll say about Eric, though, I saw a tweet about how Eric is too much. And it's actually there's some people that feel that way. Uh, Yeah. And I get that. Here's the thing about Eric Collins, man. He's awesome in just the normal flow of the game, too. His fluidity is actually pretty insane for a play by play announcer. And that's what gets overlooked because of all of the exciting and crazy calls that he has. Talking with him, it was about a year ago that Lockdown Hornets, we did an interview with him, and he talked about his preparation. He said, look, the way I attack every single game, every single one, is that there's not going to be a person in that arena that knows more than I do about this game and Mm -hmm. both teams and their family and their lives. No one is going to know more than I do in this arena, wherever it may be. And I respect that. And I think when you hear him on the call for some of these other college basketball games or wherever – he doesn't have the crazy Hornets calls. He doesn't have that level of excitement, and he sounds amazing. Oh, There's, he li- does. That, that's what people get twisted about, Eric. Yeah. In the normal flow of the call yeah. during the game, yeah. the fluidity is unbelievable. Never messes yeah. up. Cadence is impeccable, mm-hmm. and that's what I hate that gets overlooked because the only opinion people have when they want to criticize him yeah. is how excited he gets. If that's not your, if that's not what floats your boat, then fine. Yeah. But you have to give the man credit for just the normal flow of a broadcast. Eric Collins don't mess up, man. Yeah. He really doesn't. And he, and that's what I was talking about with his preparation. But he does. I've cut several football games and basketball games that he's done, done the highlights for those on the ACCDN on all platforms. But like the Northwestern Duke game. If you go back and look at the highlights of that game when they fumbled on the it fumbled on the one yard line and when they had some of those big touchdowns, oh yeah, he gives you Eric keeps that same and he's the definition of well, keeping that same. Energy. But yeah, but it's I don't think it. I don't think it's as consistent as with the Hornets though, but because the Hornets they don't they haven't given you a lot to yeah. be excited about recently, right? And so when you're talking about tuning into a Hornets game, 
Sam, I mean, he even talked about this. Eric Collins talked about how he wants that fan to have a fantastic experience mm-hmm. and have fun watching the broadcast. Yeah, I respect. My mom and Bryce love him. No, yeah, of course. Or there's a lot of people that do. Yeah, Polarizing with the excitement, but there are a lot of people that still do. <laughs> Is Carolina guaranteed a top five pick? And if they're guaranteed a top five pick, does that mean they're guaranteed a good quarterback? We'll get to that in just a moment. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. A couple more segments to go, then it's the Kyle Bailey Show with Smoke Ludwig, and you can text in 704-570-9610. A couple people writing in about how much they love Eric Collins. Delvis The Rock saying his kids watch these games um, because Eric Collins is on there. He's the GOAT. Brian said Eric Collins is the GOAT of local broadcasting, so EC getting some love, a part of the broadcast team with the Charlotte Hornets. I do want to switch to the Carolina Panthers, and we were talking a little about Drake May, whether he has a chance to win the Heisman after Mm -hmm. that performance against Georgia Tech. You know, one of the things I did want to talk about, too, it's Hendon Hooker, who tore his ACL in this most recent game, and it was the worst news out of college football this weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody that was also in the Heisman race gave us the only moment, I think, so far this season. I Because I could not think of one. And you guys both reminded me last week. No, we, Hendon Hooker, two completed passes to beat Alabama at the time, the best team in the country, or among the top two. That was it. And now I just don't see how it's going to happen, especially with the loss against South Carolina. Going to miss out on the last couple games of the year. It's going to be too much to come back from, despite what was an excellent season with the Tennessee Volunteers. How much do you think this hurts his draft stock now that if you go basically a year's worth of time, you know, we've seen players come back from ACL injuries earlier and earlier. And Adrian Peterson, it it really felt like he was the first player to come back as this transformer and this different type of player. Okay, now I can still be just as good after an ACL injury. Can you get Hendon Hooker? Does this injury actually allow you to maybe wait a little bit where he's not going to be a top 10? I don't even know if he was going to reach those heights anyway. Mm. What does this do to his NFL draft stock as he tears his ACL down? I don't think much at all. The league is okay. so quarterback crazy. Uh, and when you look at his game, his game is not predicated on his athleticism. Now, he's had some great runs this year, but it's not like this is his game. He's a passer first. He's shown that this year, almost 70% completions, 27 touchdowns to two picks. And it's not like that he played in one of these offenses where, yeah, they did throw a lot of short games to have that completion percentage inflated, but Tennessee, they throw the ball down the field. There was no question about it. He's going to push it. And NFL teams love that. He's not afraid to let the football go. Uh, the two interceptions tells you he's a really good decision maker. You I think know, his pocket presence is awesome. That's what I'm saying. So I don't see at all his ACL killing him as far as his draft stock. Like I said, he's had one 100-yard game. Uh, two games of 50 yards, three games of 50 yards rushing or more. And so outside of the Florida game when he had 112 and a touch, I mean, we're not talking about Michael Vick here where he, you know, you're so afraid of his legs. Mm -hmm. So I think he's just fine. Um, He plays from the pocket very well, and that's all he needs. And, and, And even when he comes back, he looked to me, I'm very good, as you guys will learn, when we watch the NFL draft, I'm very good at predicting 40 times for guys that I've seen play. 
So, <laughs> we're we're going to put that to the test. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say Henry Hooker is probably at the fastest a high four six, low four seven guy. Which is just think, fine. That's what I'm saying. I think when he comes back good. from injury, you know, he's still going to be mid four seven. All right, so we're going to still yeah, we're going to save that. So he'll and, be fine. Yeah, and we'll see how right you are about Hendon Hooker. But I agree. I would still take him. Now, the problem is Carolina's going to be, I think, too high up in the NFL draft order, and there are going to be other quarterbacks that are, quote-unquote, right now, worth taking. Maybe Hendon Hooker rises up draft boards, but that's one thing about Hendon, too. I don't know how much of the combine, the pro day stuff, that's how you rise up these draft boards. And I don't know if that's going to happen because of this injury, right? I mean, when you when you talk about these players coming out of nowhere to reach the top 10, it is because of a crazy 40 time. It is because of their athletic testing and their profile. It is because they had a fantastic pro day. Mm-hmm. Hennon Hooker is going to get robbed from some of that. I, I don't know the rehab timeline, but here we are in mid-November. I mean, if we're talking about let's say even, I don't know, 10 months, something like that, it's still going to take too long for him to go through that testing. And it's certainly going to affect any testing he might be able to endure leading up to the draft. Now, Bryce Young, still going to be higher. You're still going to have C.J. Stroud. Those are going to be a couple of quarterbacks that are going to be on the radar for the Carolina Panthers. They're picking second right now, and that's because the Raiders won the Raiders moved to three and seven on the year. Chicago is right there picking at third at three and eight. There are a lot of three win teams in the NFL as it stands. Um, nine of them, if you include Houston, who haven't won three, uh, three games, they're one, eight and one. They're pretty much guaranteed for the top pick, in my opinion. So everybody is kind of losing to get to that second spot. And there are a lot of teams in the mix. Carolina, Chicago, Las Vegas. Denver has to give their pick to Seattle, which is hilarious. The L.A. Rams have to give their pick to Detroit, which is also pretty funny. Cleveland, they give their pick to Houston. Pittsburgh, 3-7. and seven. Jacksonville, 3-7. and seven. New Orleans gives their pick to Philadelphia at 4-7 and seven to finish out the top 10. Do you think Carolina is guaranteed to be a top 5 pick, or do you think this could go a little haywire where Carolina might win a couple games and then eventually maybe pick 10th themselves? I think the deadline to get a top five pick, um, when you look at the rest of the schedule, there are winnable games there, but this team is so unpredictable. I know they'll win a game that they shouldn't, and I know they'll lose a game that they shouldn't. So I think that they will have themselves right there in the mix. Uh, Where you want to get those really in that top two to three, for sure. You don't want to be in a position where you need to draft or trade a lot of assets to get where you want to go. My question to you, too, we had this topic on the rundown last week. Mm-hmm. Could you make an argument to draft a non-QB in the first round this year? Both of us pretty much said no. Mm-hmm. Both of us said you got to take a quarterback. Now I know you've been bringing up this Zach Wilson situation with the New York Jets. Yes. And I know Fitty and a Fitty Flash also brought up the point that Robert Sala would not commit to the former second overall pick in just his second year playing in the NFL that midway through that second season, after Zach had dealt with some injuries before playing in the middle part of the year, that Robert Sala might be going away from him. And he had the comments where he said that he doesn't feel like he let the defense down, and I'm sure the defense was looking at him side-eye because of that. (laughs) Zach Wilson may not start this weekend, not because of injury, but because he just isn't very good, and the timeline just might have run out on him. It really might be there. So with all that being said, you can see that it's not a guarantee when you pick up in the top two. And that's always been the case. It seems like Zach Wilson just might be the latest example of that. 
when you watch Zach Wilson, does that deter you a little more from going all in on QB and then starting to look at Will Anderson and saying, hey, maybe you should draft an opposite pass rusher of Brian Burns, or are you still all in to draft a QB? No, they need to draft a quarterback. Uh, now, Will, if Will Levis is the only choice you have sitting there, I'd say no, and then maybe you look into the second round. But I think that first round, second round, they need to make a move. But if you're up close enough to be able to get one of the marquee guys, I think you have to do that because now – and it's obvious to everyone that with the rookie wage scale being what it is, it doesn't hurt you if you draft a guy, you don't like him, and then you want to get off of him because the thing is, too, there's always a sucker born every day, as they say, okay? And so there's going to be somebody that out there that if the Jets did want to trade Wilson and get somebody else, there's somebody out there that thinks that they can get the most out of him. Uh, there's somebody that's going to doubt the Jets staff, say, oh, we can, we can, yeah. we can turn him into this. So you're going to have that aspect going for you if you draft a guy that you don't like. If you did draft a Will Levis and he's not very good in the first two years, year and a half, then you can move off him and go elsewhere. Um, so, no, I don't think it would deter me because I think, you know, a lot of people say they're one quarterback away. I don't know that that's the case, but this is a team that needs to go ahead and start the process of trying to find their signal caller for the future. So Will Levis is going to be one of those players, but if you look at some of the guys, it's it's CJ Stroud, it's Bryce Young, it's Hendon Hooker, it's Will Levis, maybe an Anthony Richardson, and those are going to be oh the top God. five. You're not a fan of Anthony Richardson? Oh, no. The tools are there, but that's that's the tools part about this, and this we kind of brought that up with Josh Allen, who wasn't great at Wyoming. The numbers weren't crazy, but the tools were all sorts of there, and now he's putting it together with the Bills. Justin Herbert was good in college. He also had the tools, yet it, he wasn't dominant in college, and that's why I didn't want him. And then Justin Herbert turns out to be an absolute stud. You gave me, you feel like he was dominant at Oregon? Yeah, I felt like that last year when he took him to the Rose Bowl. He was big time. Uh, you know, I think that he was he was really good that year. But um, you know, when you talk about just Anthony Richardson, no go. Will Levis, no go. Yeah, because so it's got to be Stroud or Young for you, basically, yeah, because, or Hooker maybe. Yeah, because the thing with Anthony Richardson, I, it's so funny you bring this up. I was just talking about this the other day. I get tired of these running quarterbacks, and I'm a black man. I can say it. I get so tired of these athletic <laughs> African-American quarterbacks that their coaches don't take the responsibility to teach them how to play the position the right way, and they keep kicking the can down the road because they're so athletic. Anthony Richardson cannot throw in the ocean. OK, he's a fantastic athlete, but he's going to turn into Logan Thomas in the NFL. They're going to end up trying. And, and I said he's such a good athlete and teams are going to be so enamored with his skills that he's going to always have a chance to play somewhere, whether it's the NFL, XFL or one of these leagues. Somebody's going to do it because everybody's going to always get caught up at 6'4", 250. He can run. He's got a strong arm. But these guys need to realize that you play the position from the pocket. And I get so tired of, of going to see black quarterbacks that are super athletic and they don't take the time to learn the position from the pocket. They play off pure athleticism and then wonder why their careers don't work out. It blows my mind. Like this is the Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence situation. Anybody with two eyes could see that he was going to lose that job. Kelly Bryant was not a good scanner of the field. He was not a great quarterback from the pocket. Trevor Lawrence was elite in the pocket. That's what made that offense go. 
you could tell if I was Kelly Bryant's dad, instead of loving him up and sitting there, oh, man, I ain't going to let him come in and take that job. Da-da-da-da. I'm telling him, son, if you want to beat Trevor Lawrence out, you better get into the film room four to five hours a day, learn these coverages, learn where you need to go with the football, and throw with some accuracy. Because if not, you're not going to play in the league, and you're not going to play over this kid. I don't think that was ever going to happen with Trevor, though. But I'm with you into the sense of, if I kind of look at Justin Fields. But KB had a chance if he would have been a good pocket over, quarterback. Oh, you know what I'm saying? If he'd have been a good pocket quarterback, it would have been hard to remove him because the offense still would have been balling out if he knew how to play from the pocket well. Yeah, I, I think some of this is just, you know, Kelly maybe just wasn't a good thrower. But I understand your larger point. And I, yeah. think, I think you look at Justin Fields being mm-hmm. a black quarterback yes. who's using his athleticism right now. I also think, though, there's something to be said in the reverse where coaching staffs they don't want to use the special ability of Justin Fields I mean the reason that this offense is performing a lot better now Mm -hmm. is because they are starting to utilize that athleticism and that buys you time just as a young QB if you got something special then use that to buy time as you learn how to become a pocket passer which is I think what's happening with Chicago Matt Nagy help go to Mitchell Trubisky not a black quarterback Mm -hmm. but also needed to learn how to throw from the pocket Matt Nagy went away from the athleticism and I think that was a huge detriment yeah. to his success in the NFL. Well, the thing I love about what you said about Justin Fields, he's the perk, because then you'll have people out there that, oh, why are you ragging on the black quarterbacks? Justin Fields is a perfect example. Great pedigree coming out of high school. You watch him on QB1. You see what he did in Elite 11. He ripped up 7-on-7 seven seven in Elite 11. He set records like for completion percentage and things like that. At Ohio State, he used running as a last resort. He punished people with it, but he used it as a last resort. And so... He's a guy that you look at, and uh, there was somebody else that was coming to mind that I was going to say as well because I know the people out there be, oh, you you ragging on the black quarterbacks, but uh, he plays the position the right way. Justin Fields does. Justin Fields does. And then uh, just give me a second, it'll come to me. But, yeah, I just – with Anthony Richardson, it just gets on my nerves when I watch these guys play, and it's like their coaches – you know, even at my high well, school, when I'll oh, go ahead. Well, no, I, well, here's what, and I'll let you kind of buy some time good. to look at that yeah. other quarterback. But I do think that you're seeing black quarterbacks develop as passers at a really high level now. I mean, look at Bryce Young, high yes. level passer. C.J. Stroud, high levels of passer, Hendon Hooker. You're talking about three black quarterbacks that have the ability to run that are actually awesome passers. C.J. Stroud is not running all over the yard. Bryce Young had the 100-yard game at the beginning. And Lamar, yeah. And then, of course, you put Patrick Mahomes in that category. It's just that you have such athleticism that can all it like it's dumb not to utilize yes, the athleticism sure. that any quarterback has whether they're black or white but mm-hmm. obviously you have black quarterbacks that can get out here and run all over the yard and hell yeah I want that yeah. <laughs> that's what the open mindedness should be saying hey if you can run like that then we need to put you at quarterback and we can try to develop the passing and you're seeing that a lot more so even with Kyler Murray I mean that arm is crazy talented now think about Kyler Murray right now or you have the rumors about him not putting in the film work mm-hmm. but man the talent is there throwing the football all over the place and even I do think the accuracy is there maybe the decision making isn't there with Kyler Murray right now I haven't watched enough of his game film to see why the struggles are happening currently over there in Arizona. But man, I mean, all the, the top quarterbacks that you have in this draft, only one of them is a white guy with Will Levis and three of them all black and they're all pocket passers first and foremost. Yeah. And that's what I like to see. And that's what I was saying about Anthony Richardson guys like him, because you even look at Josh Allen and Josh Allen until he got Brian Daybo, 
he was on that too, to where he was not. He was well, it's why Bomani Jones would joke about Jaheim Allen instead of Josh Allen. He yeah. was running all over the Yes, game. yes, for sure. Now, like I say, and him coming out of Wyoming, I did like him. He had the tools. You had to put in the context that he was playing at Wyoming, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just my thing with Anthony Richardson. I just like to see the brothers when they can play from the pocket first. Use the athleticism, certainly. But I just can't say when you see a guy that's uber athletic like a Richardson but just can't throw it in the ocean. Well, and the problem is, is when you have evaluators come in and then give into the stereotype without even watching and digging deeper into the film. And then yeah. you get the Bill Polians of the world saying Lamar should be wide receiver. Right. And like, that's the thing that is hard. eye roll where that's the type of evaluation you and, get. And I can understand as a black man, how crazy frustrating. Yeah, that would and, be. Re- and we will be remiss. Cause I was going to say the optimum of what I'm talking about. Hate to bring him up disgusting, despising things. But Deshaun Watson was the optimum of what you want. Like a quarterback, super athletic, but Deshaun played from the pocket first. And then he would hurt you with his legs. And so, you know, that's all I'm saying. This is, and, And I was just saying, too, the way Deshaun approached the game. Like you heard his press conferences when he would talk about breaking down coverages and he was such a savant. You hate all the other stuff. That's another conversation for another day. I mean, disgusting. No, but I, I get it. Human. No, no I, but, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But as far as just the way he played the game, he approached it with the professionalism and the seriousness. And I just hate to see these kids that have all this athleticism, athleticism get back their quarterback and just want to just play playground. 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. You can text in and share some of your thoughts on some of the quarterbacks that are available who you want the Carolina Panthers to get. I imagine that's going to be a big time question I ask you guys a lot as we lead in to the NFL draft. Zach Wilson about it. Yeah. Talking about the win. Have you ever heard a quarterback talk about the win as to why he didn't play well? It's funny. I need to look it up. I think Baker Mayfield did that this year. There you go. Did he? Do, I think he might have. I need to look that up. <laughs> there you go. I, I'll allow the Fitty Flash it's to buy windy. me some time. <laughs> Let's go to Fitty's last flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? We got some college basketball news for you guys. The final four destinations for the latter part of the decade, they have been announced. The final four will return to um, Detroit in 2027. Las Vegas in 2028. I'm sure that's going to go over really well. (laughs) Indianapolis in 2029. And Dallas in 2030. And also yesterday, a lot of Feast Week tournaments getting underway. You had the Maui Invitational where you saw Louisville fall to 0-4. Duke, uh, ahead of their play this week in the PK-85 Invitational, they, they beat a very good... Bellarmine squad by 17 last night and Florida State got off the schneid as they beat Mercer by nine. This is probably outside of champ week the, the and, and of course the NCAA tournament the best week of college hoops we get. What do you guys want to see from the ACC this week with programs like Carolina Duke Virginia just won a you know a, a main event over the last week and a chance for them yeah, to cement themselves yeah. as as a as a, a conference back on the on the up uh, up and coming. Yeah, I think you want to see where you do have that top heavy nature of the ACC, where you do have North Carolina coming in strong preseason rankings, Duke coming in strong preseason rankings, an acceptable loss, I guess, to Kansas. It's not like anybody is destroying them over it, but still a loss. Yet it's not like it was against College of Charleston or anything like that. And North Carolina was able to avoid any upset during the start of the season too. I just want to see some of these other ACC teams because whew, Louisville, 
Louisville is off to an awful start. Florida State doesn't look good. And those are some of the teams that are always like your tier B. The mm-hmm. the teams that could always maybe make the Sweet 16, Elite 8. You know, Louisville, hell, they got a championship in the last decade. I, I would like to see some of those teams start to step up. It is nice to see Virginia. It feels like exactly what we talked about with Tony Bennett at ACC Media Day. I do feel like this is a little bit of a resurrection year for Virginia. It's something similar to what they experienced the championship year, the year before that. That was when they kind of struggled a little. Yeah, I know Fitty's excited about that. I know how much ago. he loves uh, Tony Bennett, but yes, you are correct. And that, and you know, I don't want to see my Wake Forest Demon Deacons losing to Loyola Marymount. I don't want to see that either. Okay, but yeah, there are some teams at the bottom of the league right now. I mean, I, I love Coach Cable, man. Him and Jason both, and I want to see Pitt finally look like something, but they get hammered. Oh, yeah. Time in and time out. But yeah, just the bottom of the league, some of the teams that sitting down there. Still got to get some answers on Syracuse. Hopefully, Georgia Tech finally starts to turn things around. They, they battled back last night. They were getting crushed at the beginning of that game by Utah. But like I said, just Florida State and Louisville, as you said, especially Florida State, they have some talented guys on that roster. We can talk about Matthew Cleveland. That was a guy that was mentioned as a first-round talent uh, even when he came in as a freshman. He's one of their highest-rated recruits that they've had. So, yeah, they've been um, yeah, not good. All right, so one more segment to go before the Kyle Bailey Show up next. It's Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ kind of ending instead of beginning with the music that should lead us into getting off of the bus. This is what you would listen to coming in off the bus for road games. I like West. That, but yeah, something like that, man, especially that song. Eminem is one of the best when it comes to buildups of songs. I mean, just the buildup of that song. You get the cryptic beginning and then he comes in and the beat doesn't fully drop and then he starts rap. I mean, I think on that one he's talking a little bit. And then he just starts rhyming. And then one of my my favorite version of Eminem is when he's angry. I call him the angry boy. Angry uh, see, boy. the thing is, I needed him to stop yelling at me with some of these newer albums. Just, I love angry. He's just yelling, though. I love though. the angry button. What? Oh, that used to give me lit. That sounds like that pigeon call you had. Yeah, because that's how he yells like all the bars. Oh, God. That song gets me excited. Let's go to what's on tap. What's on tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date. is eating. What are you eating right now? Are you eating Jersey Mike's? I mean, you went red. But I'm doing the talk. So, you wouldn't expect anything less. You're just, hearing me chewing live on the air. No, 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 I'm not because you should not have your mic on when you're chewing. You asked me what am I eating? Want me to not answer? That'd be disrespectful. I thought you were talking about early when I called for the sound for what's on tap, but you went straight for the sandwich because you couldn't wait. We've got we've got seven minutes. We've got seven before the end of the show, but no, this is when no, you needed to go ahead and dig in. in. Seven minutes. No, I just wasn't prepared for you to go to the sounder. So as I was picking up, <laughs> oh, I know that said sandwich. You were then like, "Let's go to what's on tap." You put me in a position to fail. Or did you put yourself <laughs> in a position to fail because you couldn't wait seven minutes to take a first bite out of that sub? 
I plead the fifth. Okay, there you go. That's our dynamic producer, Fiddy, who is going to come the better time with the second time, right? What's on tap? What's Oh, there it is. The beautiful pouring of the beer. What's on tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks-Club. I did want to play this game real quick with some of the college basketball games we do have later on. You have Texas Tech and Louisville playing right now. The Red Raiders, 21st in the nation. They lead the Cardinals 11-5 on ESPN2 if you want to check out some college basketball before the nightcap of Auburn Bradford, I believe. Bradley, excuse me, not Bradford. Bradley is playing Creighton in Arkansas, a 10-9 matchup. San Diego State, Arizona, a 17-14 matchup. This is the game I want to play when you think of Creighton I feel like there's only two acceptable answers for this but who is the first player you think of when you think of the Blue Jays Dougie McBuckets isn't that what they call him McBuckets. they did they did I call him Darmel's gonna be such a good NBA player they did call him Dougie McBuckets did you have any different answer the the guy that hurt Kendall Marshall Ethan Rogge it's hilarious you and Flounder both went there before any other player but that's right yes. that bastard cost me a banner oh man I'm gonna that he guy really did okay. <laughs> that's, that's What'd That's you dirty. Say? I said, I'm going to send that guy a bouquet. That's dirty as hell. I love it. And we'll guy. just send you home with another L. That's <laughs> K-Butter. Taking out K-Butter, that was really tough. Uh, that was, what, 2010, I, I believe? That was guy. that? No, that was a two, a 2000. 20, 2012, 12, bro. Right, 2012. Yes. Probably back when you were giving up your fandom. Yeah, there you go. Still, Fiddy is angry about that. Uh, Kyle Corver is the first one for me. Kyle Corver, the Creighton, mm. also alum. That's the one I go to. What about Arkansas? Last one. Arkansas is the first player. You have a, I feel like, a bigger pool to choose from when you go to Arkansas players. Fiddy, you go first on this one. Who's the first player you think of? I said Bobby Pettiford. Uh, Bobby Fortis <laughs> also applies. I'm trying to think of who was on that 08 team that Carolina also played in the tournament, and they just they ran them out of the gym, but that team isn't coming to – to fruition. Sonny Weems might have been on that team. I wish I would have been alive for the 90s teams. I watched the 30 for 30, 40 minutes of hell, which is really, really good. Yep. I wish I would have been around for those dudes because outside of the fact they beat Carolina, they also beat Duke, them boys could play. In Charlotte, Scotty Thurman, Big Nasty. That's the guy you thought of first, right, Wes, is Big Nasty? Yep, Big Nasty, Corliss Williams, man. And then Alex Dillard, I feel like, doesn't get his just too. I remember he averaged, like, something crazy in high school, like 40-something. But he was the first guy I remember that I saw in games pulling up from 35 to 40 feet on a regular basis. He was doing the Steph before Steph. He was pretty crazy. Those are some of the Arkansas. I go Scotty Thurman. I go Big Nasty. I feel like I might have had a jersey in the NBA of Corliss Williamson. Just I had all the random ones, though. That's what I had. All right, let's find out what happened on this day in sports history. 1950, the first year. What happened on that day, Fitty? Well, guys, on, 19, on this day in 1950, the Fort Wayne Pistons, they would beat the Minneapolis Lakers 19-18 to in the lowest scoring game in NBA history. On this day in 2000, back when the Hornets were worth a damn, the 76ers lost 88-73 to to the Hornets, ending their season-opening winning streak at 10 games. The Sixers became just the 12th team in NBA history to begin a season with at least 10 straight wins. And on this day in 2012, we were talking about bad quarterback play from Zach Wilson earlier in the show. Well, on this day in 2012, Mark Sanchez literally fumbled his career out of the NFL. The butt fumble happened as he ran to the back of his offensive lineman. The Patriots would return the fumble for the score. 
as the Patriots would beat the Jets 49-19. to It would give Bill Belichick his 200th career victory. An the underrated coach. aspect there. Yeah, Hilarious. He became the, the oh, eighth nice. coach to do just that. And if I remember correctly, wasn't it on Thanksgiving night, too? I think it was. I think it was as well because, yeah, I, I think That's I was with my family watching that, watching the butt fumble, which is still just as hilarious as it was all those years ago. Real quick, worst QB mishap, the butt fumble or the running out of the back of the end zone like Dan Orlovsky did? Fiddy, you go first. Got to be the butt fumble, right? I think it was the butt fumble. Is that what you would say, Wes? I go butt fumble as well. It's hard to beat butt fumble. It was pretty embarrassing, but Orlovsky did. It was did. astounding. It was. Best text of the day. Let's go to the best text of the day for me. It was at the very beginning of the show, and I saved it right away. We were talking about the donuts, which we appreciate a certain listener for sending earlier. And somebody texted in, I think this was Backwoods B who wrote in, CJ's coverage, CJ Henderson's coverage was softer than them hot now Krispy Kreme donuts. That's what we got, and CJ Henderson catching a stray at the end of the show. Do you have a final take for us as we end, Wes and Walker? Wes, we'll go to you with your final take. Oh, I love Jimmy Garoppolo making you look bad. Ever since the Atlanta game, he's gone eight touchdowns, two interceptions. He's been playing great, like Jimmy the 15th G player in the league, the 15th balling. quarterback. Go ahead, Fiddy. Who's your final take? What's your final take of the day? Check out the podcast, <laughs> Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. For that way, you don't miss a second of the Weston Walker show. There you go. That's Perfect. right, baby. Is that? I like that final take just every day. I would like to ride with that as well. It's stronger than J.C. Horn's coverage. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you never throw his way, and that's. <laughs> you never throw Dennis Smith Jr.'s way, and you also don't throw That's Mason right. Plumley's way if you're Wes Bryant. A huge <laughs> monster Mason Plumley fan. Big subs, is big subs. Wes Bryant. Final take for me. I think PJ Walker should be the starting quarterback, and then we'll see what happens with Sam Darnold. Baker probably the third string guy after that game against the Baltimore Ravens. Keep it right here, 92.7 FM, WFNZ. It's the Kyle Bailey Show up next alongside Smoke Ludwig.